Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope that you enjoy this message today. Have <laughs> uh, you ever gone to the church? You know, the, there's always the, 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 the crazy old man or the crazy old lady that the ushers hate and are afraid of. Well, the problem here is I'm that person. I'm the pastor. <laughs> Anyway, I want to read a a scripture. I want to talk to you today about the about the calling, about the calling of God. You see, we we um, as Christians, as Christians, we are the called of God. As a matter of fact, the word church means the called out ones. And Peter was writing, he wrote in his last letter, the, this is the letter that he wrote just before they nailed him up on the cross. And he was, you know, writing things that he felt were pretty important. He knew his days were over. He was killed in Rome under Nero. And Second Peter 1.10, this is what he says. He says, wherefore the rather, rather brethren, give diligence. Give diligence. Everyone say Give diligence said, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. So he, there's Peter's, he, Peter was saying that he said to make your calling, your calling by God, and your election by God, to make it sure, make it sure in your heart of hearts. To make it sure inside of you. And when you make the calling of God and the election of God, sure in your heart of hearts, nothing, nothing can turn you away. You will absolutely finish your race no matter what. But if, you're, if, the, if the calling of God and the, the, the election of God is not a sure thing in your heart, you will get off track somewhere somehow. The testimony of Jesus in your life, the calling of God to, to know that God put his hand upon your life, that there is something different about your life than people in this world that don't know Christ. That there was a distinct moment of moments in your life when you began to awaken to the voice of God. He began to set you apart and call you out. You recognized that you were one of his chosen ones, just as the nation of Israel recognized their difference from the world when they walked with God. They were the chosen generation They were the chosen race, the people of God. Today, you and I are his elect, his chosen ones, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And for that testimony, testimony of Jesus to be rooted deep within your hearts. It's why I talk about that day on the lakefront so often. It was, it was when, I, when I first began to hear the voice of the Lord calling out to me, come out from amongst them and be separate. Come live a different kind of life. Not, you were not born to live a worldly life, a carnal life, a sinful life. I've purchased you with my blood, son. Come out from amongst them and be separate. I have a different kind of life for you. Come out from among them and be separate. Don't live like them. Don't talk like them. Come out from among them and be separate because I have a plan for you. I want to impact people's lives through you, not just for preachers. 
We are a chosen generation. God has chosen his sons and daughters to be an impact on their worlds. He sets people apart to be an impact on their family, on their sons and their daughters and their grandchildren and their moms and their dads. He selects people and puts their hand on their life to impact their neighborhoods and their community. He puts his hand on a people and makes them his called out ones, his ecclesia, his local church to make an impact on their worlds. God has a plan. Lukewarm will never change the world. It won't. So I want to read to you about a prophet today. Jeremiah the prophet. If we're going to read out Jeremiah chapter 1, the calling of God upon Jeremiah. And we're going to just, just take a few minutes, dig through a f- couple of these verses. It's not going to be very painful. And... Um, Just let it soak. Let the word of God. The word of God is alive and it's active and sharper than a two-edged sword. If I just read the scripture here today, it'd be enough. If I just read a couple chapters of Jeremiah, it'd be enough for us. You know, I'm going to take the liberty and expound on the scriptures as the Holy Ghost will anoint me and allow me to do that. But the word of God is a light. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates and produces what he wants to do in our lives. The words of Jeremiah the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. You see, Jerusalem was under siege during, during Jeremiah's time. It was lost. They were, they were taken into captivity. Their city was burned down. Their temple was torn down. And Jeremiah was called by God and separated by God to be a prophet to a backslidden people that were experiencing the, the results of their sins in their generation. That was Jeremiah's portion. That's what he was called to do. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, under the the carrying away of Jerusalem, captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee as a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whosoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, Jeremiah, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, thou hast seen well, for I will hasten or watch over my words to perform it. Now let's just make a f- few applications here in this, from this passage. Starting with verse 5. The Lord told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb or in the belly, I knew you. Before I formed you. 
God is telling Jeremiah, as he's setting him apart for this gospel, for his, for his prophetic work, for his ministry to Jerusalem. He says, Jeremiah, I formed you in your mother's belly. I formed you. I formed every part of you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. The word that God used is yamatsar. It means to form, to fashion, to devise, to frame, to produce, to create, to be formed or fashioned, to exist, to be predestined. The word implies initiation as well as structuring. In its participle form, it is a potter or a creator. So God, as a potter or as a creator, formed and created you. If you are, if you are called of God, if you are part of his church, if you're part of the bride of Christ, if you'll be with him forever in eternity, if the hand of God is on you, if you've been born again, if you're called by his name, He had an intimate relationship with you in your mother's womb. He created you and formed you. He formed your face. He formed your eyes. He formed your ears. He punched the buttons of your DNA, and he made you exactly like you are. Not only did he form you in your mother's belly, but when the day came, when his hand came upon you, and you were born again, and he began to fill you with his spirit, he recreated you in the image of his son, and he, he placed his finger in your life and began to deposit spiritual giftings to fulfill the exact purpose and plan that he has for your life. Whether it's in the business arena, or whether it's in the ministry arena, whether it's as a housewife, as a school teacher, a mechanic, or a preacher, whatever it is, or a politician, whatever it is, he is placed inside of you, spiritually and biologically. He's, he's telling Jeremiah, you, you, this job that I'm giving you to do, Jeremiah, it's going to be overwhelming. It's going to be a difficult task. It's going to be more than you can imagine. But I have formed you in your mother's womb, and my hand is upon you to perform this task. More than enough. More than enough. And he goes on to say in the same verse, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. The word yada, to know intimately. God had an intimate relationship with Jeremiah when he was an embryo in his mother's belly. This same thing can be said about every one of us who are called by his name. Known before the foundations of the world, my name was inscribed on the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ before he created the heavens and the earth. I've been in his heart from eternity. If you're his son or his daughter, you've been in his heart from, his, from eternity before he formed you in the womb. He knew you. And there comes a day in your life when he comes and begins to, to woo and draw. And then it becomes our responsibility to respond to this love, to embrace this love, to take it in, and not not to snuff at it, not to take his love lightly, but to, to honor him and to love him and respond to him and respond to his love with our love, to pour our oil back upon him as he's poured upon us. Oh yeah, before I formed you in the womb, I loved you. 
I had an intimate relationship with you, and I've known you before there was time. I'm going to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death, Jeremiah. I'm going to take you into places that are going to be uncomfortable, but I will be with you. I've known you, and I've formed you for this prophetic office. We were formed for this moment in time. We were formed for this moment in time. You and I were formed for this moment in time. We are, there's more with us than there are with him, and we are well able to fulfill God's purpose and plan. My friend, get off, get off, get off of your apathetic loin, of, of your apathetic whatever backside, and begin to respond to God. Come on now. Intimacy is initiated by God. We have to respond. He goes on to say, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Jeremiah, before you were born, I sanctified you. Frank, before you were born, I sanctified you. I knew you, I formed you, and I sanctified you. Sanctified to be set apart for the purpose of God. Mechadesh, an actor's state in which people or things are set aside for use in the worship of God. They are consecrated or made sacred for that purpose. You know, the Lord is, he takes us out of the world. He brings us out of the world. You know, when I was, when I was born again, one of the first things that began to happen in my heart of hearts without any, really any instruction from anyone else was conviction over my sinful behavior. I became convicted of my sins. And that, unless you get some carnal Christian to try to explain to you how it's okay to be carnal, you'll be convicted of your sins too. Did you hear what I just said? Unless you get some backslidden carnal Christian trying to explain away holiness the Holy Ghost will convict you of your sins too. And you'll begin to be convicted. You won't even have to have someone tell you that, it's, that certain behavior is part of this world system and we've been taken out. Not only washed, but delivered. Not only delivered, but set apart. Set apart to be holy. The word holy, Mekadesh, to be made holy, to be sanctified. Peter said in first in first Peter chapter one, verse number two, he says that we are sanctified, just like he said to Jeremiah, we are sanctified by the Spirit. The Holy the anointing comes upon us and begins to put us apart. It begins to separate us. Oh yeah, we become different kind of people. Oh, yeah, yeah, we become different kind of people, and that's okay. I don't want to smell like the world. I don't want to talk like the world. I don't want to act like the world. I don't want to behave like the world. I want to I wanna be, be transformed. I want to be conformed to the image of Jesus. I know I'm not there yet, but I, I want to be more like Christ. I want Christ to be in me. I want to live like him and act like him and talk like him and love like him. I want to be transformed. I want to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Holiness, 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 holiness. It's not wear long clothes, long dresses or wear no makeup. It's not what you put on the outside, but it's an attitude of heart. It's a transformed person. They begin to walk different. Oh yeah, you know, for, for, for if you begin to, if you dress promiscuously, the Holy Ghost will convict you of what not to wear. You don't have to have rules. 
The Holy Spirit will show you to, to loosen some things up or cover some things up. He'll show you not to go showing off what, what's underneath, you know, to clothe yourself properly. Amen. You know in your heart of hearts. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, the silliest things, we can't make rules, but, you know, I was convicted one time. This was really strange. I was, one of the jobs that I had for a while at Bible school was, was um, mowing lawns. And I was mowing lawns, and it was hot. It was Fresno, California. My goodness, it's 105 degrees in, in, the, in, the, in the summertime. And I was out there, so I took my shirt off. It's okay, you know, I thought guys have their shirts off. And I'm not, I'm not making a rule, believe me. But the, the, the director of the school's wife came up and started talking to me, giving me some instructions about what to cut. And while she's standing there talking to me, I became convicted. The Lord said, put a shirt on, son. Put your shirt on. She didn't say anything. She didn't hit. She just told me, why don't you, you need to go take mow that and dig this over here or whatever. But the Lord kept telling me, put your shirt on. Whatever. You know, you can think I'm a prude or whatever it might be. But if the Holy Ghost tells you to put your shirt on, put your shirt on. If he, that's what you do. Okay. And then it goes on, Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And then he said, I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. The word ordained is a beautiful Hebrew word. It's actually the word Nathan. It means gift. Given is a gift. And what God is saying is, Jeremiah, the people are not going to like this, but you are actually, I'm appointing you or consecrating you as a gift to the nation of Israel. They're going to hate your message, but you're a gift from me to them. Because they're going down a way of destruction. If they don't turn away from their sinful behavior and turn back to me, they're headed toward destruction. They're ruining their lives. They're going to hate your message, Jeremiah, but I'm appointing you as a gift, as a Nathan to them. I've called you and appointed you just as he's called us in this church. I know it's not popular to be holy. I know it's not popular to speak in tongues. I know it's not popular to live a holy life, but the body of Christ This local church is a gift given by God to this culture because it's headed headlong into destructive ways. And you, as a child of God, if you're His, you're a gift to your family. Your behavior, your holy behavior, and your standard and conviction of righteousness is a gift from God to your family. Amen. He goes on to say, verse 6 and 7, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, but I cannot speak. King James says, For I'm a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm a child, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Spiritual dependency is absolutely a good thing. None of us, when God calls you to do something, if you think you're qualified to do it, you're in huge trouble. I'm in huge trouble. If, if you have confidence in your ability to perform the task, it's going to be a work of man, and it's going to end up smelling like man when it's over with. Now, so there, there needs to be, there needs to be a recognition 
that I, that I, that I, can, that I can do nothing, and he can do everything. I, what, what did Paul say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Without Christ who strengthens me, I can do nothing. Nothing that has an eternal value about it. Now, let me, let me give you an example. You know, one of the things that's in my life, God has given me a gift to communicate supernaturally. It's not a natural gift. And it's not something that I have confidence in. You know, I was thinking back last night as I was preaching, I was re- remembering this moment in the 10th grade. I was in, actually in New Jersey. I was going to Freehold High School in New Jersey. I was in 10th grade, and I was in English class. It was the worst semester of my life. I was terrified for an entire semester because there was a, an assignment in that class that everyone in that class would have to give up, get up and give a five-minute um, pr- speech, a talk on some particular topic. And the entire semester, I sat in my desk, hiding behind the person in front of me, terrified that I'd be chosen to go up there. I was so scared. And finally, the day I dreaded more than any other day came when she called my name. And I went up to the front, to the desk, got behind the little lectern. I got behind the lectern, put my notes down, and I stood there like this. I never got the first word out of my mouth. I stood there and shook and shook until the teacher had mercy on me and told me to sit down. I was terrified to talk in front of people. When I got saved, I found out the Bible school that we went to, they had a policy. On Sunday night service, they would always select one of the new students for Sunday night spontaneously to get up and share their testimony in the service. I knew my day was coming. I was afraid every Sunday night. And they came to me just before service. Just as service was starting, the music was starting, and one of the, the, the elders came and told me tonight, they want you to get up and share your testimony. I turned, and I ran to the men's room, and I started throwing my guts up in that men's room. I mean, I threw up, and I threw up, and I threw up. And I, so I don't know, I can't even remember what happened. It was like a blank out night. I don't know what happened that night. The whole point of this is, that God will call you to do things that you have no way on earth that you can do. To this very day, I am terrified of beyond the grave. I'm terrified of Sunday services. It's like a, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a, it's like two people living inside of a body is what it feels like. And the only, the only way to, to, to it's, 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 a, it's a confirmation of the call of God upon someone's life. God's called you to do things that you can't do on purpose. And most of the time we sit there and we, we wait until he picks somebody else. Until we, and rather than step out, instead of giving the excuses, we step out and say, well, I can't, but he's told me, I feel he's telling me to do this. I'm going to step into it. Whatever it might be, whether it's in children's ministry or youth ministry or, or starting a business or whatever it might be, the calling of God for his purposes, for his purposes, for his glory and for your, for your joy and your happiness, for his purposes and for your joy and your happiness. Yield yourself to God. So it goes on to say, do not, then he, he, then he says, okay, he says, don't say that I'm a youth. He says, wherever you go, I'll send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. And then he says, do not be afraid of their faces, for I'm with you to deliver you, says the Lord. You know, the the anointing of the Lord will drive the fear of man right out of our hearts. 
the Holy Ghost comes into the room and you begin to experience the reality of God's touch upon your life and he becomes real to you, you'll understand reverential fear. You stand in the presence of the Creator God and you'll tremble with joy every part of your being. And oh yeah, when, when you stand before Almighty God and you, you experience the reality of God, how can you be afraid of what someone's going to do to you? How can you be afraid of the threats of human beings? How can you be afraid of the threats of what people say or what people tell you is going to happen if you do this or do that? The fear of man will be driven from the heart of your hearts by the, by the fear of Almighty God. See, he comes upon you and fills your life. Press into God. Then the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth and said, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. I've put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. God has placed his church. He's placed his churches in cities. And he's placed us as the, as the, as the influence in those communities. Jeremiah surely didn't look like he was in charge. He was the one being thrown in prison. He was the one being thrown into a pit. He was the one the other prophets were mocking and making fun of. He was the one the drunks were making songs about. Jeremiah. From the world's perspective, he looked like a fool and looked like a loser. But from God's perspective, he was in charge of the nations. God had placed him there. He was a ruler, but a different kind of ruler. God has placed his church as the authority in this community. He has placed his church, he's placed our church, not, not by itself of, amongst other churches, but he's placed our local church as an influence, not in political ways, but in spiritual ways. He is affecting our community in ways beyond anything we can imagine through the power of his presence and his people. I believe the Holy Ghost is in us. I believe the Holy Ghost has influence in the world. I believe that we are the salt of the earth earth and the light of the world. This is how Jesus said it. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its savor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Matthew Poole said this about it. He says, in our Christian course, we are not to trouble ourselves with what men say of us and do unto us, but only to attend to our duty of holiness and exemplary life, which is what our Savior presseth plainly. You are the salt of the earth. Through the grace of God bestowed upon you, if it were not for the number of sound and painful ministers and holy and gracious persons, the earth would be but a stinking dunghill of drunkards, unclean persons, thieves, murderers, and unrighteous persons. There would be a stench in the nostrils of a pure and holy God. Now that is the truth about New Orleans. It would, the whole place would reek like bourbon streets, naturally and spiritually, if not for the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Be not ashamed of who you are. You're a man of God. Be not ashamed of the calling of God. Be not ashamed of the one who lives inside of you. Be not ashamed at work to be a Christian man, to be a Christian woman. Don't be ashamed of your testimony of Christ in you because you're the hope of this city, my friends. Stir up the gift of God. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah. Don't be afraid of their faces. Before you were born, I 
formed you in your womb. Before you were born, I knew you. I consecrated you. And I appointed you. Thank you, Lord. It's the truth. Thank you, Lord. I want to finish with this prophecy. The prophecy at the end of the chapter, verse 11 and 12. This prophecy is the one that, (laughs) excuse me, Dick Mills gave me January 1st, the year 2000. As we entered a new millennium, he called me and gave me these two verses. He said, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an all branch of an almond tree. The word almond means overseer or watchman. It's very connected to the word. It's slightly different, but it's similar to the word watchman. And the, and the Jews recognize the almond tree as the watchman over the crops. The Lord said to me, you've seen well, for I'm ready to perform my word. And Dick asked me, <coughs> excuse me, if I understood the prophecy. And I said, no. And then he began to explain to me the significance of the prophecy. He said that the almond tree was the watchman over the crops in the nation of Israel. It was the first of the crops that would come to to harvest at the beginning of harvest season. And the Jewish farmers looked to it as a sign, a prophetic sign of the coming harvest of the year. If it was a, a bumper harvest, the rest of their crops would be huge. And if it was smaller, it would be a, a less significant harvest that year. But it was the watchman over the crops. And as he was explaining this prophecy to me, we, had, we were two months into Beyond the Grave at the time. Dick Mills hadn't heard of Beyond the Grave. We hadn't talked about it yet. And he, as he was saying that to me, the, the Lord was telling me in my heart of hearts that what we were beginning to see in Beyond the Grave, the supernatural altar calls was the almond tree. It was the, it was the first sign of the coming harvest in the body of Christ in the end of the age. It was a sign. It was the watchman over his crops. He was watching and he was displaying what the harvest would look like in the days before the coming of the Lord in the churches that are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. There will come a time when every altar call and every service, whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, will be the kind of altar call that's happening at Beyond the Grave that's been happening for 15 years. It's a watchman. I'm telling you, I'm not just speaking hopeful words here. It is the word of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord, a prophetic word of the Lord. The, this, so this, if, you, if you believe in supernatural signs, the altar calls and Beyond the Grave have no other explanation. They've been supernatural. For 15 years, the altar calls have been supernatural. They're a sign of things to come. So it's it's a prophetic sign of the coming visitation. And it says at the end, it says, he says, I'm ready. He says he's, he's, he's watching over his word. He's watching over his word to perform it. He's watching over his word to perform it. God has given this. He's given you words. He's given each one of us words. When you read the scriptures and a word stands out to you and you take it as a promise from God to you, that's a word from the Lord. And the word of the Lord to Jeremiah was, I'm watching over these words to bring them to pass. There are words that God spoke to you 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 6 months ago. Words of promise that God gave to you that are hidden away in your heart. He's watching over his word to perform it. 
And every time we get under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, he's watering his word and anointing his word and preparing his word. And he's hastening. In King James, it says he's hastening. He's watching over and hastening. New American Standard watching. King James, he's hastening. He's quickening his words. He's quickening his words to bring it to pass. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want you all to stand with me. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at victoryfellowship.net for service times and locations.